listening to From the Front Lines, a special podcast from WUFT during the COVID-19 pandemic. This podcast will serve to provide an update on Florida's response to coronavirus with a particular focus on North Central Florida. In addition to news and important information, From the Front Lines will feature a member of the community who is working to keep the community safe or running during these challenging times. Thanks for listening. Hello, I'm your host, Ryan Vasquez, and this is From the Front Lines. Here are the most recent statewide numbers on COVID-19. There are 1,977 total positive cases in the state of Florida and are reported 23 deaths related to the coronavirus. Alachua County's Critical Information Line now has translation services to further provide aid during the COVID-19 pandemic. Call and inform the operator what language you need, and a translator will be dialed in on the call. The 311 line is for those who have questions or need information. Gainesville Regional Utilities will not charge late fees to residential and non-residential customers through April 30th in response to the financial strain caused by coronavirus. With non-essential businesses shut down to an emergency stay-at-home order and the continued financial uncertainty of GRU customers, General Manager Ed Bilarski made the decision to stop collecting late fees effective immediately. Earlier this month, GRU suspended disconnections for non-payment. The City of Ocala is committed to maintaining consistent sanitation schedules and providing regular collection services throughout the week during the COVID-19 pandemic. Residential sanitation and recycling collection will continue as scheduled. The COVID-19 pandemic has caused a demand for fresh produce from consumers, creating a spike in sales for Florida farmers. While an increase in sales may seem beneficial, Paradise Found Farms owner Kelly Cogswell is concerned about whether the extra business will have a negative impact on his farm. The shortage of of product in the traditional grocery stores has driven more customers to us than we can handle. Despite those concerns, the Cogswells are planning to ramp up production to satisfy the recent spike in demand. President Donald Trump has declared a major disaster declaration for the state of Florida. FEMA announced that federal emergency aid has been made available to supplement the state, tribes, and local recovery efforts in the areas affected by the COVID-19 pandemic beginning on January 20th of this year and continuing. The president's action makes federal funding available for crisis counseling for affected individuals in all areas of the state of Florida. States have been given the authority to extend Medicaid to help pay the cost of COVID-19 testing for uninsured residents under a federal coronavirus relief measure passed last week. However, it's unclear whether Florida will take advantage of the new policy, which would allow the full cost of testing uninsured adults to be borne by the state Medicaid program. Governor Ron DeSantis says Florida will make sure people can get free tests, but the policy discussion needs to be safe for later. We will make sure people um, have access to that test and then if they need access to care. And so some of these other things, uh, you know, we'll figure out a way to pay for it. Florida is one of 14 states that did not expand Medicaid under the Federal Affordable Care Act. As such, Florida has roughly 800,000 residents who are on what many call a coverage gap because they are too poor to qualify for subsidies on the Federal Health Insurance Exchange but cannot qualify for Medicaid. State Attorney General Ashley Moody is urging Floridians to guard against cybercrimes when working from home. To slow the spread of COVID-19, more Americans than ever before are working remotely. She says the increase in online activity also presents more opportunities for hackers and scammers, but provides some tips workers can use to improve security while working remotely. You should use a secure internet connection. Ensure all security software is updated in working order. Create strong passwords and utilize different passwords across multiple websites and applications. Limit the use of work devices only for work activities and lock work devices when not in use, never leaving them unattended. Anyone who suspects they are the victim of a scam should contact the Attorney General's office at 1-866-9-NO-SCAM. 
or by visiting MyFloridaLegal.com. Pregnancy is already a stressful time for many women. With the spread of COVID-19, many expectant mothers are worried about what the virus means for their health and the health of their baby. Dr. John Smolian is chair of the Obstetrics and Gynecology Department at the University of Florida's College of Medicine. WUFT's Melissa Fito spoke with Dr. Smolian to help sift through some of the facts and fears related to pregnant women and the coronavirus. I'm sure a lot of women who are pregnant expecting are concerned about their pregnancies. Do pregnant women face any specific risks to COVID-19? There is currently very little or I should say very limited information regarding COVID-19 in pregnancy that has been published and is available for the uh, us to analyze. Um, what we have seen so far, though, is that pregnant women are not more likely to become infected than non-pregnant individuals, which is quite reassuring uh, so far. There's also, there's no evidence that pregnant women who actually get the COVID-19 infection have a more severe disease course than those who are not pregnant, which is, um, uh, again, another reassuring piece of information. We do know, though, that pregnant women can develop severe symptoms, just like other individuals can. And uh, if they develop severe symptoms, then there have been a handful of reports of an early preterm delivery or a need for a cesarean delivery in the last third of the pregnancy. If the mother was to contract COVID-19, does that pose any specific risk to the baby? Could it be transmitted? So far, there is no evidence that infection with COVID-19 increases the chance of having a miscarriage or uh, any type of birth defect. Uh, we're still collecting data on this around the world, and uh, we're hoping that this stays true. Um, so far, there has been no signals of that. Based on the limited information we have so far, in studying specifically whether there can be mother-to-baby transmission before birth, there's been no evidence at all that the virus can be passed directly from the mom to the baby while the baby is still inside the mom. Should pregnant women be taking any specific precautions more than what we've all been told to do, you know, stay in, wash our hands, etc.? Is there anything specific pregnant women should be concerning themselves with right now? Actually, the instructions for pregnant women are identical to what are for the general public to protect against infection. And that really is focused around the importance of social distancing, which uh, is now a national priority, as well as good hand hygiene, the coughing and sneezing into uh, tissue or your arm or sleeve, and other basic common sense measures. Now, what about traveling to appointments or the hospital to give birth? Is it still safe to travel to healthcare providers? Yes, so we would encourage existing appointments to be kept. There is important content that happens and care that is delivered at various times during pregnancy. With that being said, there is a strong effort in 
certainly in our practice, but in many other institutions around the country, to work to transition some of the care to using technologies such as telehealth, either video or telephone conferencing. Now, when someone comes into the hospital to give birth, New York City recently kind of made a controversial decision to not allow partners to be present during births. What do you think of that decision? Like, do you see it as uh, something helpful? As far as here in Gainesville, at Chan's Hospital, uh, there's a general policy that has been implemented at the hospital to allow only one visitor in with an, any individual patient. Uh, and that, in, that visitor has to be screened and uh, have no identifiable risk factors or evidence for possibly having uh, COVID-19. For our labor and delivery unit for mothers coming to deliver, the designated visitor is just one person. So the intent is not to have several people rotate in and out. And this is to limit the potential for spread of the virus that we know is now starting to become a little bit more community spread in our area. Is there anything else that we didn't talk about that you would like to make sure that people know? So a couple of issues that have come up that are actually really important is that there is some concern about whether or not delivery outside of the hospital is a safer option for moms who, because of the environment, that we're living in with uh, the presence of COVID-19 in our, in, in our community. And I, it's very important to remind individuals that the most common and serious complications of a delivery or that can occur in a delivery do not involve COVID-19 and require the, really require the expertise of a team that's experienced in the manage of all levels of care for a delivering mom. And uh, deliveries outside of the hospital environment cannot provide that level of safety for both mom and baby. From the Front Lines is a production of the Innovation News Center at the College of Journalism and Communications at the University of Florida. Thank you to our producers, Taylor Levesque, Daniela Mora, Anthony Montalto, Josh Williams, and Melissa Fito. And a special thank you to Matt Abramson for his work behind the scenes. Join us tomorrow for another edition of From the Front Lines. I'm your host, Ryan Vasquez, and of course, thanks for listening.